Hello. Welcome, everyone. I'm Bruce. I'm Greg. And I'm Casey. Together, we will dive into the mysterious world of the hit TV show, Supernatural. Join us as we follow Sam and Dean on some crazy adventures, as we break down episode by episode and have some fun along the way. Today's episode, Season 1, Episode 7, Bookman, premiered on October 25th, 2005, directed by David Jackson and written by John Scheiben. We are Natural, Natural Friends. Friends. We've got our pal Greg, we've got our guy Bruce, they've got their other friend who's pretty cool. We're gonna spend some time with Sam and Dean, we're gonna kill some monsters and break down a scene. Spoilers ahead. This week on Supernatural, four teens accidentally commit vehicular manslaughter and decide to hide the body. What? I can't even do it. (laughs) One year later, they are haunted by a murderous hookman who knows what they did last summer. (laughs) Okay, so I did watch that this week, by the way. It was not, it's not good. Um,. Bruce, in case you didn't catch on. (laughs) What's happening? That's the synopsis for I Know What You Did Last Summer. Oh. Which features a hook-handed killer. Yes. I've never seen that. (laughs) This week on Supernatural, Sam and Dean investigate a murder that sounds suspiciously like the famous hookman urban legend. They discover the hookman is a vengeful spirit unwittingly being unleashed by a girl who unknowingly wears the necklace his spirit is attached to. This episode was originally supposed to be episode three, but they decided it wasn't scary enough yet, so they gave themselves more time by pushing the episode later. They did want to introduce the urban legends earlier in the series than they did. It makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll get to it throughout the episode, but it definitely shows, and I think it hurt this episode a lot. Were you guys well-versed in Bookman before watching this? Not at all. Oh. I pretty much never heard the legend. Really? Yes. Kind of like how we talked about with Bloody Mary. I think I'd heard it a couple times. I think we talked about it during like Boy Scouts too when we tell stories around the fire. Um, It was just one of those ones that got brought up about the guy who escaped from the insane asylum and he had the hook hand and he was going around killing people. I feel like I'm the same as you. I definitely heard it in multiple places. I don't remember a specific time learning about it. Um, One that sticks out of my head feels like it was a cartoon, even like it was like a it was like a goofy rendition of it, and it was like you know uh, the hook was in the door, and it was like "Ah!" you know what I mean. Like um, so that really sticks out of my head. So I just thought that was interesting that like I don't know it, but I know it. So like it's it's that prominent in pop culture. So I, I just thought that was interesting. It sounds like there's a thousand different versions of this anyway, and I'm sure we'll dive into that in the lore. At the beginning of this episode, whenever we first see Sam and Dean, um, we kind of get our first glimpse at how kind of out of place this episode feels by them talking about what they're doing to look for their dad. And yeah, yeah, Dean or Sam mentions that he called around to different hospitals and um, I think he looked into missing persons and no one matched his description, which seems kind of like step one stuff that you should be doing <laughs> whenever you're looking for a missing person, um, which makes sense whenever you find out this was supposed to be episode three and not episode seven. Uh, the only 
part of that conversation that I kind of pulled from uh, that I, th- I thought might be close to moving forward um, was he, he did, I think Dean says uh, dad doesn't want to be found. I just thought that was a neat like way to like, Oh, what does that mean? It might've been said before even, but uh, I just, that stuck out of me like, Oh, you know, maybe dad doesn't feel like they need to find him right now. They need to do and help people. I think they did say it before, which, which made it all the worse that, that they were doing, like they were still looking into it like this. Cause, uh, before this, Oh, dad doesn't want to be found. And then three or four episodes later, searching hard i'm telling you i think that doesn't want to be found like, oh we haven't determined that yet i'm pretty <laughs> yeah. sure we figured so it almost uh went by without me realizing it but it was actually that line that really pointed it out like you already said that like we we know that um i did forget to mention one fun fact so whenever you see the article about the guy who got killed the byline is that it was written by mark gould mark gould was the transportation director on Supernatural for at least the first 14 seasons. Mark Wood was the transportation director. Oh, wow. So, fun little call out for someone in the crew. I wonder how they do that. Like, do they, is he like walking by and like, oh, let's name it after that guy? Like, <laughs> or is it like planned out? Like, oh, you've been doing a lot of uh, stuff around here. We should just keep a list up in the office and just cross them off as you <laughs> knock them out. It's a really good idea too. Like when you're just come, like looking for names. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, we'll use that one this time. Yeah, instead of trying to make up a good fake name, just use someone in from the crew. I would not be surprised if they have a sign up like "Get your name in Supernatural" anywhere you can. So the boys go to the school, pretending to be transfer students. Which before I discovered um, when this episode was written for. I thought actually kind of made sense. So our last story took place in around mid-December, putting this episode theoretically around like the beginning of January to mid-January maybe. So you could be looking at these guys pretending that they're transfer students at the beginning of a new semester. Mm-hmm. Where where was this at? What state was this in? Iowa. Iowa. Okay. They were out working on their cars in the middle of the day, but... Bruce, <laughs> just give up on weather on this show. <laughs> so you think that that's where we're going to fall into where like the weather's not gonna be addressed unless it's important in the story absolutely it's the abominable snowman (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it was actually a believable story for once and they're actually around the right age so they got called out for being so young when they uh tried to pretend to be um whenever they tried to be pretend to be marshals or something and they got called out for being so young but you're actually trying to pretend to be college students which one of you actually is Nice job, guys. Yeah, and they didn't get caught in Agreed. it. Although no one seemed to <laughs> second guess it at all. No, just like, oh, cool. Here's your room. Yeah, <laughs> I was uh, <laughs> I was like, that was way too easy. <laughs> but I guess like that's playing on the whole like, oh, fraternity. You know, they're not the brightest bunches. <laughs> so we meet our girls. We met was it Lori and other girl Taylor. I, I so I. I've also decided, side note, that I'm going to give up on learning names. I'm just going to start referring to them as what they are in the story. So we have Lori, who for some reason I do remember, and we have the friend. What does jump out at me uh, in pretty much every single episode is hip hugger jeans. And like when when I first heard of hip huggers, like I couldn't even understand what they were talking about because it just kind of 
entered into the fashion and I didn't even realize there was much of a difference. Like it just kind of happened. But watching this, oh, like 15 years later, you can see it. It jumps out at me without, I'm not looking for their fashion. It just hits me in the face. Like, oh, that's different. But when you would watch this during the time, it's, you know, it's yeah. normal. You don't see it as weird. Um, it's kind of when you go back to like the 80s and 70s, you're like, oh, that's so different. <laughs> but like when you were during that time, like that's the norm. That's Wait, what everybody's looking like. Are we old <laughs> guys? Oh, no. Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> so our protagonist. Lori. She's something, huh? After the church service when her father drops her back off at her sorority house and she's just flipping out on him about him being worried about her. Lori, you just almost died. (laughs) Chill out. The man is allowed to be worried about you. Do we know like a a specific timeline? Like how, how long after the boyfriend's death? Cause I was also wondering about the roommate, like, pressing her to drink tequila and watch some stupid show. And I'm just like, let the girl grieve. Like, it's fine. That I kind of get. They weren't close, right? Like the kid that died. Yeah, they're definitely like establishing that he was like a like a new guy, like a dating. Yeah, so it's not like her longtime boyfriend just got killed. Yeah, she saw someone get killed, but um, I think her... It could have even been their first date. I didn't think... Yeah, her friend was more trying to help her grieve and like through this process... And not so much, hey, just get over it. I was sort of thinking like a couple weeks, like a few weeks past that. They were talking about it in church, but clearly like the funeral had already happened. That kill though, right? Oh, I mean, pretty gruesome. The show, this episode was meh, but that, that was a good kill. I liked it. I really liked some of the effects they used with the hook man. And like when they show him kind of like blinking around and then it would just be just the scrapings showing up on like the signs, but you couldn't see him. I thought that was a really cool effect and how they cut the music out whenever you couldn't see the hook man. And then they brought in the dramatic music whenever the hook man was actually on screen, I think was kind of a really cool production feature of the episode. I really did like the initial like scrape when she was looking up at the the ceiling of the car, the truck or whatever. Yeah. And like you, and then, then like she, when she comes around, it's like him scraping on it. I don't know. That was just that was just a neat. Uh, I wasn't expecting that. Classic piece of the lore. I was gonna say you might have expected it. So I I ran into some of this after the fact of of briefly reading on some of the lore. This is like three different urban legends, isn't it, Casey? Yeah. You wanna you wanna tell us all about it? Do you wanna get into it now? Let's do it. So yeah, we are doing dealing with three different stories here. Um, the first one being about the hook man. So it's believed the story of the Hookman, also known as the Hook, began to circulate sometime in the 1950s in the United States. The first known publication of the story occurred on November 8th, 1960, when a reader letter telling the story was reprinted in Dear Abby, a popular advice column. Dear Abby, if you are interested in teenagers, you will print this story. I don't know whether it's true or not, but it doesn't matter because it served its purpose for me. A fellow and his date pulled into their favorite lover's lane to listen to the radio and do a little necking. The music was interrupted by an announcer who said there was an escaped convict in the area who had served time for rape and robbery. He was described as having a hook instead of a right hand. The couple became frightened and drove away. When the boy took his girl home, he went around to open the car door for her. Then he saw it, a hook on the door handle, 
I will never park to make out as long as I live. I hope this does the same for other kids. Jeanette. That's ridiculous. For me, is the setup is ridiculous. The story is like, okay, but, ooh, spooky. Like, his hook is on the door handle. You almost got got. But the setup of the Dear Abby column of like, if you care about teenagers, <laughs> let them learn this lesson. I really enjoy, there's a variation of it where it's not that the couple became frightened and drove away. It's that the girl in the story refuses the advances from the guy, which is kind of what happened in the episode. And then in his frustration, the guy leaves and drives away. And that's what caused them to not get killed by the man. So our second story that we have some elements of is the dead boyfriend, which goes a little something like this. Two students had gone out to Neck in a car on an isolated country road. Afterwards, the car wouldn't start. The girlfriend got spooked. The boyfriend said he would walk for help, but suggested she first get down on the floor of the car in the back and put a blanket over her so no one looking in would see her, and told her not to look out or get out until he returned no matter what she heard. Then he walked off, leaving her hidden. Hours later, he had still not returned and then she heard a strange scratching noise on top of the car. Despite her growing panic, she didn't get out and remained huddled there all night long. After all, it's probably just a branch from one of the trees along the road. Finally, the day grew light outside and she heard someone walking up to the car. A man's voice called out, Is anyone in there? It was the local sheriff. She peeked out and he told her to get out of the car, walk down the road to the waiting sheriff's car, and whatever she did, not to look back at the car. She walked down the road to the sheriff's car, but looked back at the last minute to see her boyfriend hanging upside down from the tree, throat slit, and his fingernails dragging across to the car, making a scratching sound. Our first kill in the episode is inspired by that story, so a nice combination of the two. So both of these stories, the origin of them seems to be inspired by the 1946 Lover's Lane murders known as the Texarkana Moonlight Murders in which five young people were killed and three injured by an unidentified serial killer over a 10-week period. See, the truth is scary. Like, just stick with the actual truth. That's terrifying. I was curious if this was going to be, like, a modern fable of some sort. I didn't know it was based on anything. Like, I was like, oh, these parents are saying, don't go up there. They get murdered by the guy with the hook. Like, nope. But in the Texarkana Moonlight Murders, there was no hook. So, yeah, that part is made up. For this urban legend but it, they were real like lover's lane people going out to make outs in some secluded spot and getting killed so that's kind of um, where people think these stories started to come from and then the last story that we have featured in this episode is called aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light there are a few variations to this one here's one i found that i really liked two college roommates were complete opposites one liked to study while the other one liked to party in preparation for their upcoming midterms the studious roommate we'll call her Jane, planned a Friday night of studying while the partier, we'll call her Mary, decided to go to a frat party. The two were friends, regardless of their differences, and while Mary got ready for the party, she tried to get Jane to go. Jane insisted on studying, and Mary set out for the party. Jane agreed to leave the door unlocked so that Mary wouldn't have to bring her keys. While Mary was at the party, she met up with another group of friends, and they convinced Mary to stay at their place for the night. Mary agreed, but she had to stop back at her room to get her keys. It was about 2 a.m. when Mary got back. She snuck in, grabbed her keys, left the lights off, not wanting to wake up her roommate. The next morning, Mary walked home, intent to ask Jane for some study help. 
When she reached her room and opened the door, she saw Jane murdered at her desk. Written on the wall in Jane's blood was, Aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light? Ooh, spooky. Spooky. I like how the uh, first two urban legends are basically like people making up a story with the moral of like, don't go necking. And then this one's just like, it's crazy, right? <laughs> There's no moral. <laughs> stay home and study. No, wait, that'll get you murdered. Um, don't turn on the light. That's not a moral. <laughs> Yeah, there's really no... I mean, I guess you could see it as lock your doors. There you go. That's a good one. Yeah. Lock your doors or you'll get murdered. That's really cool. I, I like that they borrowed from those different stories. It makes me feel a little bit better about what was going on in this episode because and it also makes sense because a lot of these didn't really like line up with what he did as a killer. Like It was like, oh, he writes in blood in their... But he also does hook stuff. But he like, I'm I'm glad <laughs> he also just shows up and stabs you in the shoulder from behind. Right. So I'm glad they're like, oh, that's cool. It's an homage to like these different uh, stories. But yeah, that makes as an episode doesn't help it out too much. Yeah, you can definitely feel that kind of rushing into it feeling of, oh, we have this new show. Let's get some urban legends in there real quick, and then just trying to mash it all together. And I read something from Sarah Gamble, who I think she wrote Dead in the Water. We talked about it a little bit when we reviewed that episode, but how the boy, the ghost boy, the dead ghost boy in Dead in the Water just had all these like random powers. Um, he was pulling people in the lake. He was throwing water up through the sink. He was flipping boats. And she even said then that they felt like they wrote like 200 different powers for this boy. And during the actual direction and production of the episode they were able to pare it back a little bit and ground it a little bit and make it make more sense and i think we're kind of seeing that same thing here in this one too which was written before that episode so we haven't really seen them pare down what these actual monsters and creatures are able to do and he just kind of does whatever he wants yeah definitely especially the the writing on the wall I, it did not make sense with uh as they discover in their mystery of what, why is this guy attacking people like, oh, he's tied to this medallion and, and kills all these people that this girl judges as being immoral. Okay. So where does the writing on the wall come from? Like there's the, the message you're sending is to the, the prim and proper girl that you're not going to kill. So if she had turned on the light, what were you going to do? what's what's the point there's just one thing about the the writing on the wall story i don't even know if you want to call it a version of that story or just like a very similar story the that i heard it might be from um oh what's that series called uh, uh scary stories to tell in the dark or something like that mm-hmm. is that what it's called um and it was this girl she she would hang her hand over her bed and her dog would lick her hand and then and then one night she did the same thing and her dog licked her hand and then the next day there was a note saying humans can lick too and her dog was dead that's that's unnecessary that's not even scary that's that's uh, such a weird version (laughs) so her friend taylor gets killed and the boys go to investigate right after getting taken to the police station and then breaking into the house while the cops are still there sam mentions that He's never smelled ozone that strong before. 
Yeah. So this hasn't come up yet, has it? No, and I'm pretty sure it never comes up again. I think this is the <laughs> only time we refer to smelling ozone after a supernatural event, which again leads us to how early this episode was supposed to be and that we haven't really established kind of the rules around ghosts. But with that, we do get the origin of why they shoot salt, which was kind of cool to hear. Have they shot it before? I think so. I don't remember. And maybe they did, but I don't remember, I don't remember any that. shooting of the salt. They haven't talked about it. Did you guys ever uh see the guns to kill flies? Yeah. <laughs> I was a little peeved at that rock salt conversation though, because it was it's not even a show don't tell thing, it's just too much talking. So, you know, he said rock salt. And he's like, oh, salt being a spirit deterrent. And then Dean says, it won't kill him, but it'll slow him down. It's just like, that last line is all you needed. You don't have to (laughs) spell it out of, this is a spirit deterrent. And it doesn't make sense. Yeah. It makes sense. It's just unnecessary, especially to a fellow hunter. A lot of this show felt that way, too. This episode or the whole show? Yeah, sorry, this episode. Uh, feels that way a lot too. Just the a lot of extra stuff, particularly uh, Dean going out into the graveyard, which like it just didn't it didn't do anything other than like oh I burned the bones and they didn't work. It didn't we work. Finally got to see it. Yeah, <laughs> I was really excited about that. <laughs> finally got to see them salt and burn the bones, which like it's so weird thinking about what would this episode, how would I felt about this episode, having watched it right after. Wendigo. This would have been the second time they talked about salting and burning bones, and this one would be the one where they actually did it. Oh, yeah. And then all this, like, extra world-building exposition, which now seems really extra, would it have felt right in the third episode, helping establish things, which we already know now? And that's just really... It's really interesting. I also didn't like this sort of a Chekhov's gun situation, where... In the cemetery scene, Dean hears a rustling and like he pauses for a second and it was nothing like there was there wasn't even a show of an animal of like, oh, that's don't worry. It was just like, hey, be spooked for a second. We're not going to resolve it. Just be spooked for a second. (laughs) Um, And before I forget, because I already did when you were talking about them climbing into the sorority house uh, for the crime scene. Did you guys notice that Sam and Dean are? They have like Spider-Man capabilities that Dean helped push Sam's feet up. But after he was halfway up the wall and there was nothing for him to hold on to. And then um, once once Sam was already on the roof, Dean just popped up like all by himself. He's way shorter. <laughs> yeah, he didn't too. even help him. <laughs> I mean, if we're talking about stuff that grinds our gears. Um, it's basically this episode let's be honest (laughs) which is I know it's again due to this episode being in the wrong order but last episode ended with Dean being dead after being wanted by the police and he very easily gets arrested and let go by the police and it's just not even a thing and they didn't even give aliases this time uh, when they introduce themselves, they literally call themselves Sam and Dean, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Not to yeah. the cops. Like, I don't know what they call them, the cops, but to the, the girls or whatever. Um, they definitely were like, oh, I'm Sam. This is Dean. Like, okay. You're just, oh. 
ton yeah. of funny stuff. <laughs> Did they say wh- why it wasn't released in the third episode? Like why they decided to do it later? Yeah, they had issues with the direction of the episode. They felt they got great character moments, which I can agree with, and they got great performance, but they weren't getting the right tone for the episode. It wasn't as scary as they wanted it to be. Um, so they they ended up pushing it down the release schedule and doing some reshoots and editing and trying to put something good together. I saw this, but I couldn't find a source for it. It's out there being said that this is Eric Kripke's least favorite episode of Supernatural. I'd have to agree if it's true. <laughs> I don't know about least, but it's it's not one of their better yeah, ones. Yeah, it's not it's not my least favorite. There's definitely some stinkers coming up. Um, <laughs> I look forward to it. Sorry, Bruce. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> But okay. it's, yeah, it's not the best one. Do you guys think Dean buys his jeans pre-ripped or are those natural tears? <laughs> oh, uh, I think he works I like hard. to think they're natural. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. It was just his grave digging jeans. <laughs> what did you think of the, the fast budding relationship between Sam and Lori? It was bad. Bad? <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I watched it. A second time, and I wanted to see the first time. I was like, well, that's almost out of nowhere and or at least too fast. And uh, so when I watched the second time, I, I paid attention to where it came from. And here's what we got. They glance at each other from across the church during the sermon. Sam and Dean question her. More questioning. They stalk the crime scene after her roommate dies, and they look suspicious as hell. And then he stalks her house, and then they make out. I, it was so weird. That stalking of the house. I was like, you just saw him sitting out in your yard, and you're like, oh, I'll just go talk to him, not call the police. Listen, guys, don't worry. Being stalked by a stranger is sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows girls love when you sit outside their house. Yeah. Um, it was It was weird. the whole like sam felt off to me the whole time which again because it was shot earlier and i think that jared just really hadn't figured out who sam was yet or maybe the show hadn't figured out who sam was yet but it doesn't feel like the same sam we've watched over like let's say the past three episodes and then we have i think there's like a lack of chemistry between sam and Lori where it even when you see them together, they don't really feel, you don't get that spark, you know, you don't feel anything between them. Um, and it's just, you're just kind of watching it happen and feeling nothing about it. You also don't want to, because we talked about like maybe the, the, the guy that died at the beginning, maybe it was like literally their first date and that's fine. Rich. His name was rich. rich I'm sorry. <laughs> Honor him. But for, for on Sam's end, we know like Jess, they were a real serious thing that she died and, even where the episode did land, it feels too soon for how we know he feels about her. I'm not, I'm not going to put a time limit on grieving and whatnot. I'm not going to say when is appropriate, but it, it doesn't feel right for Sam. Yeah, and in Sam's defense, he does stop it. Yeah, that's true. Because he pretty much agrees with what you just said. And I thought that it worked in where the spot in the season the way he approached that kiss. So that makes me feel a little better about it because it's like, yeah, he kissed her and then decided that he shouldn't like, if it was like a week later after she died, I'd like to think that he wouldn't <laughs> even like thought about it. <laughs> like at this point is where we see 
the hookman appear in the doorway and stab Lori's dad, the Reverend. I actually really like that part, despite it being weird for the hookman. I just think it it was a nice little surprise. At that point, you don't know Lori's the one that the spirit is attached to, so you don't really expect her dad to get attacked. They really make you think it's the dad in the first place. They, they, I had a vague memory of this show, and I thought it was the dad somehow channeling the spirit. And um, even if you see it come, it's one of the, uh, there's, there's a term for, in, in TV and movies, seeing something, ha- you see something coming, but that doesn't stop you from wanting to see it happen. So you could, even if you saw the hookman coming in that scene in the doorway, it was still really cool. So while we're talking about the dad, Reverend Sorensen, this sounds like a good time for, hey, who is that? Our weekly segment where we take a look at some of the guest stars featured in this episode of Supernatural. So first up, we have the Reverend Sorensen, played by Dan Butler. Hey, who is that? Well, you might recognize Dan Butler from his appearance on 53 episodes of the hit TV show Frasier, playing the character Bob Bulldog Briscoe. Good show. He was also the voice of Mr. Simmons in 34 episodes of Hey Arnold. Or you might recognize him in his portrayal of another religious figure, Father Romanov, in the 2017 TV series The Mist. Fascinating. Next up, (laughs) we have our damsel in distress this episode, Laurie Sorensen, portrayed by Jane McGregor. Hey, what else is that actress in? I mean, hey, who is that? Well, I didn't really recognize anything on her page, so we're just going to take this time to plug her upcoming show. TV series Snowpiercer, that will be on the channel TNT, based on the 2013 movie of the same name, which first episode premieres on May 17th, 2020. Next up, we have The Dead Boy, Rich, played by Brian Scala. Hey, who is that? Well, he played... Dean's friend number two in the season four episode of Gilmore Girls, Chicken or Beef, which if we remember, Dean was played by Jared Padalecki. And last but not least, we have our dead girl, Taylor, who was played by Christy Lang. Hey, who is that? Well, Bruce, you might recognize her from playing Carly Diggle on another CW show, Arrow. She also appeared in the 2010 movie Tucker and Dale vs. Evil alongside, that's right, Chellen Simmons, who we saw die in the Bloody Mary episode of Supernatural. And you might also know her from a season two episode of Supernatural playing a completely different character. <laughs> you know, I always make fun of uh, like British TV. Not make fun of, but uh, just they're like, seemingly like small cast of actors over there but the more we talk about these the more it seems like that's the same case over here <laughs> it's like it's mostly vancouver like every show that gets made in vancouver has the exact same people on it okay <laughs> yeah you have no idea how many of these people have been on smallville <laughs> <laughs> so i was bored and uh i uh when they were burning the silver, trying to get all the silver to kill him, I was like, how hot does it have to be 
to melt silver. <laughs> Did we all do this? So fun fact, um, it has to be 1,763 degrees Fahrenheit to melt silver. And I was like, there's no way you can get a fire that hot. You know how hot an average campfire is? 2012. Yeah, so theoretically it could happen. Oh, man. It just felt way too easy to melt silver in a fire. But do you know the problem that we still have? No, Greg, it's not a problem. Okay, so you're going to refer to the fact that um, technically the medallion was already, the hook was already destroyed in a fire whenever it was reforged into a cross, That's, which is not correct. Okay. Um, whenever you reforge silver, it does not actually come in contact with the fire, which is what needs to happen whenever you are purifying something. So despite you and all your internet friends, no, I'm actually with the boys on this one. There is fire. <laughs> there is, I looked up how it's made sterling silver jewelry. It is not specifically for refining silver. It is also taking a silver metal block and setting it on fire. And um, I'm trying to remember if there, yeah, there's fire directly on it. Hey, Greg, can you look up forging techniques in 1862, please? <laughs> oh, oh boy. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and stop here and say you're probably... I was going to say, <laughs> I'm really curious about this editing. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's going to edit it to make me sound like I'm silly. <laughs> when clearly he's silly and wrong. Well, listen, agree to disagree, but... I, I'm on the side where they did still have to burn it. So with salting and burning the bones, there are a lot of references to salt being used for purification in the Bible. And one of them I found very interesting was that apparently they used to rub newborns with salt. Was that for something or was that just like a, just to get to, away evil? Yeah, just to make them pure for the world. Just rub them down with some salt. I forgot to do that with with my baby when she was born. But we had a salt circle around in the labor room. Mm. So. I mean, it, it might not be too late. I think the nurses usually do it. Okay. You have your wet nurse and your brine nurse <laughs> just ready to go. I thought it was neat that she was punishing herself about the uh, at the end there, where it was like, oh, I'm the one that's been killing all these people, so I need to turn it in on me. Which I don't even know how much they really acknowledged, but that was definitely what was happening. Um, so that was just a cool turnaround on the... Uh... Yeah, especially whenever like you get to that point and you almost lack conflict anymore. Okay, the girl's at the hospital. We know that she's kind of the one who's making all this stuff happen with the spirit. What could possibly happen while the boys are dealing with this, melt, trying to melt all the silver? Sam is now 0 for 2 against bookshelves. <laughs> as soon as he hit that bookshelf, I was like... Hookman's body count for those curious. It was just two. It doesn't even come close to our disaster demon. So maybe one day. Maybe one day. For episode seven, I'm giving it seven hooks out of ten. It's okay. It's enjoyable television. We already aired our complaints about uh, especially the uh second murder. I, I really just thought it was unnecessary to I think they were just trying too hard to tie in another urban legend. So just overall, I think the show had a lot going on that needed, that could have been refined. 
Um, and then I'm also um, wondering how many vengeful spirits we're going to run into, how many different ways we can tell the vengeful spirit story. So, so far, it's still slightly different each time. This time, they found the bones and burned them. Oh, wait, no, it's in the pendant. Um, with Bloody Mary, I don't remember what happened to her, but they couldn't burn her body, but it was in the mirror. So, yeah, it's just, you can only tell the story so many times, so we're we're going to see, you know, it's like, um, it's not necessarily bad, but there's so much out there. So, for example, if this show was about ghosts and vengeful spirits it would be fine just like the walking dead w- was fine i don't think it still is um you know it just uh give me a zombie kill every episode great but that's not what the show is this show is urban legends and just spooky stuff in general not specifically vengeful spirits so um hopefully they don't go to that well too many times we'll see seven out of ten folks i was not as generous Every episode before this, I have felt at least somewhat of connection. I thought it was wrapped up really well. I thought um, I could draw something from it. And this one, I just did not feel that. And I know we talked about it a lot, but it was just, I just uh, didn't get a whole lot out of it. Um, There were, like I said, some fun scenes. The man hanging above uh, the car, scraping against the roof. Um, I thought that was really neat. Sam talking a little bit about how. He's not ready to move on, which I, I don't think we've addressed a whole lot before this. So that was just a neat scene to see him like, oh, OK, he's still grieving his girlfriend. Like, it's not just a revenge thing. I really liked the effect of the the hookman burning at oh, the end. Yeah. It was a neat, like, I think, homage to like the silver burning. So like the fire um, took him away as well. And I just thought that was a cool effect. I did not like the Dean stories during this. It felt like he was kind of a throwaway, go look for this random graveyard and burn something that didn't really do anything. He disappears again, I think, later on. And Sam is a very like prominent character where Dean just kind of, I don't know, he's not in the right place at the right time for anything. And I just thought that was kind of missed and just didn't seem necessary. So I am going to give this episode five out of ten hooks. Wow, five. Um, yeah, pretty rough. But uh, I don't know. So, yeah, five out of ten hooks. I am kind of between you guys. Um, I ended up giving this episode six and a half hooks out of ten. I agree with you a lot with what you had to say, Bruce. I do give the episode a little bit more credit, though, because of all the production issues. Like, if I just watched this show and didn't know anything about it, I would probably be more around a five, but trying to put myself in that place of okay if i had seen this after wendigo before dead in the water how would i have felt about everything happening during it and wendigo was very much like a dean episode we got to see dean how dean connects with all the people involved in the story and then we transition to this where now it's the other half we get to see how sam tries to connect with people and what that looks like and try to learn more about sam and Overall, like I said, I think there's a really good story underneath everything here that I just don't think we saw the full potential of because of some poor execution and editing and direction. And I don't think we really built to the proper tension in the story that we should have seen during it. And there was some really poor chemistry between Sam and Laurie, which 
maybe not really connect with them and the relationship that they were trying to build there. Overall, six and a half out of ten. So next week we're watching what, Greg? That's right. Bugs. Yeah. You want to read it? No. I just... Bruce, I'm so sorry. What's happening? That's all I'm I'm going to say. (laughs) Oh. Okay. Next week on Supernatural, we're watching Season 1, Episode 8, Bugs. Sam and Dean investigate a town's history and find that a new housing development is being built on sacred Native American land. Bruce, what are your predictions? With Casey's comments, I figure it will go two ways. He's either like, I'm so sorry because it's so good and the bugs apparently that are in this episode um, are going to be super creepy and it's going to freak me out. Or I'm going to have to give something a 4 out of 10. We'll see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm still sticking with uh, the meeting their dad by episode 12. Um, Whether they flip-flop 3 and 7, I don't think it makes a difference to what they're getting to eventually. Um, So I think we're coming up on finding dad. And we're going to find out. We're going to find Sam's girlfriend's killer. Um, around episode 20 and it's going to fizzle. We're going to finale at the end of the season. Extra thing I put in, I think the premonitions are going to become a much more important part. I thought even that that's how they're going to eventually find dad. Um, maybe he's going to dream something and he's like, wait, I saw something that will lead us to find our father. Um, maybe he's communicating with him through his dreams or whatever. So I'm hoping they play into that more. Bruce, we're we're about a third of a way through this first season. Um, at the beginning of the season, you mentioned something about picking up a companion along the way. Do you still hope for anything with that or see that happening? I think it's going to happen eventually. Absolutely. Will it happen in this first season? Um, it doesn't seem like their the brother relationship is developing fast enough for that to be necessary. Um, so, yeah, definitely get a companion. But I think this season will be purely devoted to the brothers and finding dad. And I mean, if we want to call dad a companion, I think dad's going to eventually. No, I'm, not, I'm not including dad. Okay. No. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, I, 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 the more I watch it, I, I think this season is definitely devoted to their relationship and, you know, picking it up where they left off when he went to college. For any questions, comments, or smart remarks, send them to naturalfriendspodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at Natural Friends Podcast. Thank you to our fans and our wives for continuous support. If you enjoyed this, drop us a review and subscribe. Thank you for joining us. We are Natural, Natural, Natural Friends. friends. How much did the pirate pay for his peg and hook? How much? An arm and a leg. (laughs) No, I'm not laughing. (laughs) That's not funny.